Hello, and welcome back to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. It's our goal here to create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians by helping the two professions better understand each other with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. I've worked in the HVAC era and building performance markets for 30 years, and in addition to noticing the technical aspects and working hard to make sure technical correctness is part of the work I do, of what I teach, of what I encourage my staff to do, you also have to have a good business structure. Not exactly sure when I got introduced to the concepts of EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. It's a mouthful. But it was likely during my 12-week crash course in business with Goldman Sachs' 10,000 Small Businesses Program, or 10KSB. There's a link in the show notes. Take a look at it. See if you qualify for your business. I actually know several people in our spheres at TrueTech that have been in this program. It's really cool. That's a side note. I read the book Traction by Gino Wickman in 2017, and I slowly started integrating the ideas of EOS into the way we run things at TrueTech, just picking up bits of it here and there. In the spring of 2022, I reread the book. It's got a couple of quizzes in it, which give you an idea of where you stand with different things. And I presented it to our leadership team. And at that point, we sort of had a group of managers. We had an organizational chart with names in it. But I think we were lacking sort of resounding structure. So we decided to go full bore and start the process of adopting EOS company-wide in the summer of 2022. So it's now the fall of 2023. We've been into it for over a year, and I think there have been many positive benefits of it. Communication, understanding where we're going, that kind of thing. On today's podcast, I chat with our EOS implementer, Derek Pitak, based out of Cleveland. There are many implementers around the country and actually around the world, but we picked Derek, and he's a great guy, as you'll come to learn when you listen to this podcast. Derek will share with us the key components of EOS including dissecting issues, following processes, and traction, which is the execution piece. There's so much about communication. There's so many ways of framing the topic of doing business, but I really think EOS has strung together a lot of good components that you really have to work on and build up yourself, but it provides a terrific framework. If this in the least bit interests you, I suggest you get the book Traction, read it cover to cover, or reach out to someone like Derek. You can actually get a preview with one of the implementers for free to see if there's a good fit between what your aspirations are for your business and what EOS can do with you. There's some links in the show notes to Derek's LinkedIn profile, a microsite Derek has, and the EOS Worldwide site. Okay, enough of me talking. Let's get into this conversation with Derek Pitek, an EOS implementer, on growing businesses and how they need structure and how EOS can provide that. Usually we talk about building science and HVAC, but both of these constructs exist in the world and they exist in the world with people and in the world of business. So you might've noticed I've done a couple of podcasts talking about business topics. That's where my head is a lot recently. And I've invited on someone I've got to know over the last year plus to talk about business, structure being the backbone for business. Good afternoon, Derek. 
Hey, Bill. Good afternoon, and thanks so much for having me, and it's good to see you again. Yes, same here. And Derek is our implementer for a system called Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS. It's based on a book called Traction. We chose him to be our company's implementer for a course of about 24 months to get us up and running in this system, in this structure. So I'd like Derek to talk a little bit about his background, which led him to becoming an implementer, and then talk about how this implementation helps owners, employees, vendors, customers. So to you, Derek. Yeah, thanks so much, Bill. I'm happy to address both of those items, although don't always love talking about myself. But for the purposes of this conversation, my background is interesting. I don't have a straight line road to being an entrepreneur or to leading entrepreneurial leadership teams. It's a little bit of a cornucopia, but started right out of high school enlisting in the United States Air Force and served my time from a service mindset, helping others. And I think that's where my entire life has gone. From there, got out, finished my education, went back to work for the Department of Defense. And by the time I was 30, I was really burnt out, just felt like a cog in the wheel and we weren't getting anything done. And I really had no impact on that. So I hung up my shingles of working for the government and went to work for another bureaucratic machine in Key Bank in a very large old institution. But it was through that lens that I really learned the business world and had a couple wonderful mentors and a manager who really taught me the ins and outs of business. And I was working in corporate procurement and I had to manage the contingent labor pool for the bank. So staffing and recruiting, bringing on temporary labor. And in the bank's world, it was a lot of technology spend. I had to manage that, reorganize it, simplify it, make some improvements. And through that, I got to know a lot of the vendors who were providing services to KeyBank at the time. And one of them lured me away to the dark side, as I like to call it. And I went to work for an entrepreneurial organization, a small business by the staffing industry. Data is a very large staffing recruiting company, but at the time it was probably about 80 million in revenue and had never worked for a small business before. And it was wild. You talk about structure, maybe on paper there was a little bit, but I think the only reason they had an org chart was so they could satisfy some bank requirements. (laughs) (laughs) So it was really interesting as I got into that world and was able to make an impact pretty quickly and lead all their strategic projects. And one of those projects became finding EOS. So here I was my first year into this role, and we decided to implement EOS. We found an implementer and really connected with him. And then next thing you know, I'm being called into this leadership team meeting and in these sessions, and I'm asked to be the integrator. And so as EOS teaches us, the integrator is the person who holds the business together and all its moving parts and the leadership team is accountable to that person and they're really driving the day-to-day business. So it was quite the MBA in real time, if you will. I had a master's in accounting and then here I am getting an MBA and just in real time and in real life. And it was just an amazing experience. I sat in the front row seat for three years working with an implementer and then I just fell in love with the system. I thought I could do this. I started doing it with our teams internally and the companies we owned. And then next thing you know, I went off and got certified and became an EOS implementer myself. So that's my journey into becoming an EOS implementer. And now I've been doing it for about five years in helping entrepreneurial organizations, leadership teams primarily. If you're playing on the the words of the book, gain traction in your business and you're like, what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things. But at the end of the day, EOS, it is an operating system, not a technology, but it is a system 
of a lot of moving parts. What I heard recently, I thought it was beautiful, is that EOS is the sum of all of its parts. And behind me, I know that the listeners in can't see it, but those parts are the process that you go through, that journey and evolution and all the tools within it that build the system. So all designed to create harmony in your business. And people might think that that sounds a little foo-foo and fluffy, but really it's designed to remove the chaos. There's going to be or a better way to manage and harmonize that chaos through a structure, as you called it. And so it is a proven system of tools and disciplines and concepts all put together really to help organizations gain clarity. A lot of time, entrepreneurs or leaders, they want to get people moving in the right direction. And in their own minds, they're like mad scientists. And not everybody translates to those concepts. And so just getting everybody on the same page with where you're going, how you're going to get it there, build that vision, simplify that vision. Simple, simple, simple is one of the key words here. So we've got this vision, clarity around it, leadership team, all members of the organization rowing in the same direction. And then what you see are all these tools that start to get instituted to really help organizations become more disciplined, more accountable and executing at a high level. Because at the end of the day, this system is really designed to help teams execute and get things done. So GSD, I think that might have been something you told me right when we were coming up with your core values. A year ago. Yeah, it came up in our discussions. Yeah. But that's it, right? At the end of the day, it's like simplify a vision, get everybody aligned and focus on it, and then give them all the tools they need to run with it so that you can get everything you want out of your business effectively. I think I first learned about EOS somewhere where it came up as there's a way to make a two page business plan. That's the thing that caught me. It's like, wait a minute, business plans tend to be, I've seen books, I've seen binders, folders that go on and on. I like that simplicity because, and I like to say, it's like you talked about build and simplify. One of the things when I talk about EOS is every list should have like three to seven things on it. Anything more than that, you can't hold it in your head. So you can't really use it. I think there's something to deal with. My brother's in the advertising industry and it's like billboards. Billboards with more than seven words on them are harder to use and to make sense out of. I want to continue to make you uncomfortable to talk about your past a little bit, but there's this thing in your LinkedIn about Lean Six Black Belt. Can you describe that? And is that something that you were drawn to and then propelled you into EOS? Anything to do with that? Yeah, Bill, that didn't have a connection. I will tell you that I even though my journey it was a roller coaster, lots of interesting parts, I have always been very ambitious. And I had a goal by the time I was 40 to become a COO of a company. And I was 35 when I became a COO of a company. So that was wonderful. Maybe not 100% ready, but I think when you, those challenges help you through life. So I had an opportunity to learn process improvement. I had an opportunity to jump on a Lean Six Sigma uh, green belt and black belt project, uh, two different ones, obviously. And it just, it was something I was like, wow, this can help me later on down the road. I'm all for it. So I was really throughout my career, I've always looked for opportunities. I will continue to look for opportunities and take opportunities and do things that people might scratch their head at because I think it will help me. And a lot of things that I'm doing now is hopefully to help my clients. But the black belt stuff is I'm a process guy. I'm a veteran. I was in the Air Force. I'm a very structured, organized, detailed person. 
So it just fit naturally with me that like, oh, I can help improve process. And so now what you find is that I'm actually doing that with organizations as well. So I think one of the first days that we spent together, you had asked me to ask the team why I'm doing this. Why did I choose to do this? And at the end of the day, when I look back at my life and I look back at everything I've done, it's always had a service mindset component to it. And so I think that that's from a process improvement perspective there. And now fast forward 15 years later or more at that point, and it's still about service and helping others get better. So Even yesterday, I was on a phone call with somebody who runs a software startup. They're, they've got $40 million in investment. And I mentioned something about yes, what's new? Oh, we're doing EOS. Oh, I know that. And the guy reaches on his bookshelf, pulls over traction. Says we don't fully use it, but I like a lot of the things in it. And I notice now as I bring it up in my context, I hear more and more people. I want to say 50% of the people I talk to have heard of the book. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the model? This is an audio podcast people can't see, but I'll include some show notes, the link to the EOS Worldwide website so people can see the model. But there's six segments to a wheel. And what do those segments look like and how are they built? It looks very much like a flywheel or pie chart. And what that model contains in our language is six key components. So we say, hey, this thing that we're embarking on as a journey to become better. And we think about this journey with your business at the center of it. And quite honestly, these six key components exist in your business today. They existed before EOS. And our job is in working with organizations and, and then the leadership team job and pushing this down inside the organization is really about strengthening and improving each one of those components. And so that first one is really about the idea of creating a vision and that a simple vision, the two-page strategic plan that was previously mentioned. But the idea is to really simplify it. There's a wonderful story that Gino Wickman, who is the author of Traction, the founder of EOS Worldwide, in his earlier entrepreneurial days and with his mentor, thought he was uh, slick and came up with a 30-page business plan. This is what you're talking about. He took it to his mentor and he said, that's great. Congrats on all the hard work, but you need to cut it down in half before I read it. And so Gino's like, whoa, wait, what? Took it back, cut it down by 50%, brought it back. And his mentor said, nope, sorry, cut it down in half again. So the story goes on and on and on. I'm going to fast forward here is that he eventually got it down to two pages. And he's like, okay, now we can talk because that's all you need. So you think about these eight simple questions that really help align the organization on who the organization is, what it stands for, what's its purpose, how are we going to get there, all these wonderful things. And then you, then you start to get down nitty gritty. So you've got a vision side of that document, big picture, and then you've got the traction component, which really starts to focus on one-year plan, quarterly rocks, and what are those most important things that every person in this organization needs to understand and focus on and align to. So that's the vision component. And then the wonderful thing about it is now we're all aligned. We've got this simple thing. Now, what do we do with it? we got to share that message consistently every single quarter at a minimum. I like to tell my team to start in getting that tool incorporated into your hiring process. Start getting that tool embedded into the onboarding process. Think of it as a training exercise. And if we want to train our people and create that muscle, we need to train them over and over and over until they become experts at it. And so we just know that human nature, we have a tendency to forget things when our retention goes down significantly when we don't hear something over and over. So I'm a big fan of using it as a tool at all times. Even if there's a major issue in your business, we could pull that up as a tool and say, hey, is this a break in our core values? 
because we have this, are we making this decision with our core focus in mind? Are we aligned? We've got this purpose of wanting to make people's lives better or something like that, let's just say. And are we making every decision in our business with that in mind? So it is a really important tool to use and to keep you all on the same page. Let's ultimately get to your plan that you want to, that long-term target, if it's a 10-year target or core target. So that's the vision component. The people component is, hey, at the end of the day, you got this vision, can't achieve it without great people. And great people defined as the right people, meaning they align to your core values. So what are those near and dear characteristics, the types of people we want in our organization? And then are they in the right seats? Can we design the organization, the organization from a structural perspective and understand that, hey, what got us to here isn't going to get us there. So let's design this for the future. So if we want to become a $100 million company and we're $50 million today, what's a $100 million company need to look like? And then let's design the structure there and then plug the people into the right seats that they actually should go into versus where they are today or where their ego tells them they need to be. And so it really is a wonderful tool to generate that alignment around that. So right people, right seats, super important, focusing on that people component. And I think organizations and leaders often find people issues but they're unwilling to enter the danger to make modifications or make changes, right? Or I've got Johnny's a family member and he's got a minority stake in the business, but he's never been good at his job and he only shows up 50% of the time because he's got some ownership and he's a family member and we don't ever do anything about it. And he thinks he belongs on a leadership team. Well, just because you're an owner doesn't mean you belong on a leadership team. Then that's painful for teams to hear about, it, but it's real. So it is about right-sizing that ship and our sincerity and seriousness around doing that. Data, the data component, the third key component, using data not just to tell us a story, but ultimately to help us make decisions and issue solve and really hit the nail on the head that we need to be focusing on leading indicators, leading versus lagging. Lagging is a result of doing various activities to get to that result. So really taking a deep dive with teams to look in under the microscope every single week, just like you would go to a doctor because you've had some symptoms and now you might have this negative result. It's the things that you may have done that have led to that result. And that's what we're trying to diagnose. And so that's what we want to solve with teams is like, hey, let's hit it before the iron strikes and it's now hot and on fire and we can't solve it or it's too late in the month. And so I love to give teams the analogy that, hey, if you're week in and week out and you see that your leading indicators are off to produce X widget, or in your case, to make X shipments out the door to your customers, if we've missed the boat on that one week and we've done nothing about it and we've just hoped that it was a blip and maybe it'll get better the next week and the next week goes by and it's bad again, the, that data's off. If we've waited two weeks to diagnose why something's not working, you've most likely missed the month. And then you're at risk of missing the quarter. And so then you're at risk of missing the year. So it's just a snowball effect. So really trying to help teams understand that you've got to be looking at this every week and making week in, week out changes and decisions as the business dictates and the data is telling us. So that's the data component. And so if you've got that crystal clear vision, you've got the right people in the right seats, you've got good data that's telling you things for making good decisions. All it does is then create a bunch of issues in your business. <laughs> So it's all clear. All these things are moving well. Now we just uncover tons of issues and every business has them. So it's okay. It's okay. But creating a safe environment where at every level of the organization, we're willing to shout out those issues and call them out. And the leadership team makes it known that, hey, we want to hear from you because we want to make everything as good as it possibly can be at this organization. And so really generating our issues week in and week out and then solving them at the root, the issue solving track really 
getting down to the root cause because so often teams love to get in and just discuss living heck out of something, rarely identifying the root and hardly ever solving it. And so really teaching teams to get better at that. And then you've got process component. The process component is the fifth one. And you talk about consistency. You talk about process improvement. You talk about wanting people to do things the way you want them to do. So the right and best way every single time, that's hard work. And so simplifying our process to the point where the people can understand it, we've beat them over the head. And I mean that in such a wonderful, loving way, but we've really just coached them and trained them on how this should be done. And then we actually, we take a look at what they're doing. We measure for frequency, compliance, the results. And then when they're off, we solve it. We're good, brave managers that go in and enter the danger and solve it in the moment. And only then, right, will we really try drive that concept of everyone's following this the right best every time. And so then that leads us to the last component, Bill, is around traction and traction, right? Again, play on the book. But none of this matters. None of it matters at all. We can be the smartest, most intelligent leadership team members at X, Y, and Z company. We can put together an amazing plan, have amazing people. But if we can't execute well, gaining traction in our business through our most important priorities, that we've assigned from a leadership team perspective, the company individually, if we don't do that well and we can't execute to our plan, it really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. So we've got to get really good at the discipline accountability execution part, which is in this traction component of solving and achieving our rocks. Rocks are nothing more than priorities in life and in business and how we look at them and focus our time around getting them done. And then this idea of a meeting pulse, generating a weekly meeting pulse for the leadership team and every team in the organization to follow a consistent way in which we do things using common language to solve our issues, address things, but really to get a pulse on our business or our department and then to solve its major issues. And so what I love about that is I love that Elon Musk sent an email to all his staff. And I may have told you this once before, but I think it's such a wonderful thing is that he said, hey, company-wide blast in one of his rants that meetings are a waste of time unless they're addressing and solving issues. And that's exactly what the level 10 meeting is designed to do. So thank God that he said that. Otherwise, I might be out of a business because a lot of people listen to him. So that's it. That's the model. And we test it. And we know, right, with 20 years of data that most teams are succeeding in spite of themselves. On a zero to 100 scale, we want to get every team at 80% or better. Just crushing it, crushing their goals, improving in each one of these components But the majority of businesses, like when they start this journey or prior to starting an EOS implementation are somewhere in the 20 to 40% range. 20% is probably the overall data, but most of my clients are probably somewhere in that 20 to 40% range and they still have a successful business. So imagine if we can generate all that improvement and just watching the team grow and propel and get everything they want out of it. And there's even in the traction book, there's a survey or a quiz, which you had our team do when we first met with you the first day, I think first day. Yes. And then you can actually score yourself and hand it to your the rest of your leadership team and have them look at it. And there's so many resources that are available through EOS Worldwide that are free. And then there's implementers like yourself and others who do plenty of videos. I think there's if somebody wants to get a flavor for this, it's really easy to do that. And I would suggest you do that. If this intrigues you at all, maybe you're someone who's thinking of starting a business. I don't think EOS is right for a startup. It's right once you stabilized and maybe your organization stable, your theme of being in business is stable, your staff is stable. But even if you're a startup, you should look at it. 
you should look at the structure. And what I did at TrueTech is I looked at the book starting probably around 2017. I picked parts of it out, which a lot of people do, and start to plug those into the organization. And then when we decided to go full bore in 20... 21. 21, yeah. Could have been early 22. Maybe it was early 22, yeah. It didn't feel that uncomfortable. Some of the terminology we used, some of the process we used, but it was sort of an easier thing for the company to digest and understand. One thing I got to say is I'm looking at Derek's video right now. I can see over his shoulder the model for the traction model. It's, like he said, a pie with your business at the core, at the center of it. It just reminds me of the board game, Trivial Pursuit. But this is a non-trivial pursuit right here, (laughs) these activities. So where do you suggest someone who's interested, someone's listening to this podcast, they're intrigued, they're interested, where should they start? Where would you say start off? Yeah, I think the number one place to start is is go check out eosworldwide.com. Like you said, tons of free tools. I think pretty much all the tools in the toolkit you can find online and EOS Worldwide is a great place to start to give you that guidance. And there are self-implementing companies out there. There are probably 10 to 1 self-implementing companies there are to companies running on EOS with the help of an EOS implementer. So if that tells you anything, there's over 20,000 companies right now implementing with an EOS implementer, whether they're professional, certified, or expert. That tells you there's about 200,000 or so companies out there that are using some of the tools, whether they found them online, heard from a book, or just read Traction and picked out one tool, like the level 10 meeting, I think is probably the most common for teams. But I'd say go to EOS Worldwide. And if you're interested, you can talk to somebody at EOS Worldwide. They can steer you in the right direction. You can sign up to this tool called Basecamp that'll give you access to all these tools. There is, of course, a charge for that. Or if you're really interested in talking to a coach, a business coach, an implementer like myself, there's a directory out there for folks all over the country and quite honestly, all over the world. There's well over 650 implementers globally now. What kind of customers do you have? Where are they located? How do they find you? How does all that happen for you? Yeah, for me specifically, customers, about half of my business are staffing and recruiting firms. And that just comes naturally because I was an integrator for staffing business. But then the rest of my business is, Bill, your company in the HVAC industry, e-commerce. I have doctor's practices and marketing agencies and 25-year-old manufacturing companies that builds pipe systems and tools for the pipe system world. So I run the gamut, managed service providers. I've got insurance companies. I've got quite a few different sectors covered, but how do they find you? Again, EOS uh, Worldwide, my website is out there as well. It's technically a microsite, but it's out there. If you go to EOS Worldwide, you can find me on there. There's a directory that I, I think the most common for people is they talk to their peers and their peers have had success and they say, who is your implementer? And then they want to talk to that person or they care about it geographically when they hone in right into the zip code or the major metro area. And you can find all that on the website, but LinkedIn, it's a great place to find me. But on EOS Worldwide, you can find me as well. So I'd say that's the easiest place and the types of customers I have. I think the wonderful thing about EOS is we're here to teach a system that we're experts in. We're not experts necessarily in your business. That's what you guys are the experts in. So we're here to teach you tools that we know that'll apply to any business. But there is a connection with EOS implementers and their clients. The client has to feel comfortable. So from one EOS implementer to another, we're going to teach you EOS you have to find the right fit for you. And I might not always be the right fit for some teams and that's okay. And I've had that open, honest and vulnerable where I just wasn't a good fit for them. And two or three sessions in, we made a change. 
it happens and it's life. Do you travel? You're in the Cleveland area. Do you travel? Yes, I do travel. I have cut down my travel uh, substantially. I was probably on the road over 120 nights a year for EOS only, and I've cut that down in half. So yeah, I prefer to be at home now much more for the right client. I'm always willing to do certain things. <laughs> but When you say there's 20,000 companies with an implementer, there must be X number more that have graduated and are doing it on their own. Can you talk about how people transition out? And is there any roll off to the use of the system? Do you have any figures in your head for that? Yeah. So I would say I don't have data in terms of the number of graduated clients. That's what we'll call it a graduation. But the journey in the EOS implementer, right? What we tell our clients is is about two years to teach you all the tools for you to feel comfortable that, hey, we don't need this person every quarter anymore to help and guide us. I've had some clients I've had for four years. I've had some graduate in a year, a very, I'd say that's exception-based. They didn't even make it through all the tools, but they were ready. I'm here to do what's right for each individual team. And so some shorter, some longer, but on average, 24 months, you get through all the tools. You're measuring over 80% strong in the EOS model. I know people can't see me when I'm pointing, (laughs) but that model that we discussed, yeah, you're measuring over 80% consistently using the tools very well inside the business. We've got the right integrator in place. And that person is often the person who would take, is the person in charge internally of making sure EOS happens well. But then when you graduate and what that looks like is that someone on your team is raising their hand and they want to be the person who's the facilitator of all your quarterly leadership, quarterly pulsing sessions, your leader, your one day quarterlies, full days, And then you have an annual session that's like a two-day retreat for the leadership team. So someone on the team will sign up and say, hey, I want to do this. I think I can do it. And I'd love it. So I usually work with that person for a few hours here and there and any time in between quarterlies when they have questions and to help them really understand the basics of how to facilitate those sessions. And then you're off to the races. And it's not uncommon where I'm not called back to do like an annual session because they're like, hey, I just want to sit back and participate for two days of this. So I've got graduated clients who I go to like an annual only relationship with. Do you have any success stories that you could share? I mean, in general detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say my biggest success story is a client I'm still with. It'll be about three years in February. And talk about a very disciplined owner. He's got like an interesting blend of visionary and integrator. And he started off in the integrator seat and then moved up to the visionary seat, brought in the right integrator. And their leadership team is really in lockstep. They're open and honest and have engaging, lively conversations and meetings every single week to solve the most important issues of the day. And they like get their hands dirty. That doesn't mean they don't delegate and elevate and live in their roles properly, but they're not afraid to roll up their sleeves and do what needs to be done on a weekly grind basis. They've applied the tools. They're doing awesome. They have doubled in revenue since I've worked with them. And and as you know, right, smaller you are, the easier it is to grow fast and double in size. And the bigger you are, that slows down a little bit. So I'll share some general numbers. I won't tell you anything about the company in general, just for their privacy. But from a pure numbers perspective, I'd say 36 to about 72 million in two years. And that's not all attributed to EOS, let's be honest with ourselves. But I think it is a piece of the puzzle. And these tools help you really 
do the things you need to do to get that and make that happen. And they've done it wonderfully. So that is my biggest success story to date by the sheer size of their company. In that wheel of six, what's the typical tough, is there any typical or maybe a ranking of one, two or three of those that typically end up being the hardest to do? So all clients, Bill, are like snowflakes. You may have heard that before. So I would say the easiest, and again, it's not easy, but the vision component, like getting that put in place is over two or three days time with a team. That's not all that hard to put together and tweak over time and refine it. Making sure they share it consistently, though, is a behavioral thing. And that can be a challenge at times for teams when they think it's just a leadership team exercise. Well, then you're definitely not getting all the value out of it. I think people is difficult. Because in a scarce market where there's a labor shortage or we're fighting for talent or you've got to increase pay rates dramatically to bring on our top grade people, I see a lot of teams that will shy away from making those tough calls because you think about the chicken or the egg and they're always, we can't let that person go until we've found somebody else and then that takes months. And all the while you're killing yourself because that person isn't really doing anything, but we think they are, right? And we think it's going to hurt the business, but it ultimately doesn't. So many times when someone leaves... The owner will call me and say, man, we're finding so many things this person wasn't doing and it just costs us dearly. So people is a really tough one. Data is probably one of my biggest pet peeves because we build these scorecards and then I will so often repeat myself. And you know this, Bill, pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) But the scorecard in the level 10 meeting, you are supposed to drop every issue down. And so any red scorecard item is an issue. It's not on track. It's an issue. We need to get it back on. And so often teams do not drop those red scorecard numbers down to try and solve them. And again, doing ourselves a big disservice there, if it's the right data. So that's a tough one, really tough process, getting process. That's another very difficult one. Solving issues is hard. I don't know if we always have to make it as difficult and complex, but really getting to the root cause and using that methodology properly to identify the root cause, discuss it, and then solve it in a succinct, efficient manner it's difficult for teams. So if I had to rank them, I, I do think data process and true issue solving are probably like the areas where I see teams struggling a decent amount and then working with them to help get better at it. And then I will pick on the rocks for one last one is because I do believe that every single person in your organization should have at least one to three rocks every single quarter. <laughs> and too often teams will say, well, that individual contributor, those types of people, they can't have rocks. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? Do they have priorities they need to work on? Yeah, they do. And I said, well, then they can have rocks because they're the same thing. (laughs) So it's a mindset. I think it's psychological in a lot of these cases and and the work it takes us as leaders to really push and motivate and influence. And I think sometimes we fall short there. This is actually very refreshing because even though we learned a lot from you, I think in some ways we've forgotten a lot. So it requires a lot of discipline. And But we have continued to have our L10, our level 10 meetings every two, you set a cadence. That's really important. Everything else, other things I've read in business talks about that, a managerial cadence for reviewing issues and keeping to an agenda. That's very important. And, and there are software tools that will automate a lot of this. So you can run a meeting, you can have a timer going, you can drop down issues, you can have a report that comes out immediately when the meeting's over to remind people of what they need to do. So there are some fairly inexpensive tools to help you manage this whole system. I also, when I explain EOS to someone who doesn't know it, and I'm working on fixing that with the world, if in case by this podcast, if you didn't know that, is that it's great business management topics strung together. 
that's evident from the quoting that Gina Wickman and his colleagues do from all the books that they write and the subsequent materials is they're pulling in the best of the best. And even in our first few meetings with you, you're having us look at different business reviews and different papers and other books to help us ground ourselves and get all the perspectives on this whole system. Yes. I think Gino, in all his wisdom, did a wonderful job R&Ding EOS worldwide. So he ripped off and duplicated a lot of them, like wonderful, timeless, as we will say, is timeless concepts. They're not going anywhere. They've been around for 100 years. They're going to be around for 100 more. So like Jim Collins, Stephen Covey, Patrick Lencioni, you've got Peter Drucker, right? You've got all these brilliant thought leaders that have built big time businesses or help big time organizations scale. So yeah, so Gino was like, hey, why read a thousand business books on how to run an effective business? I've done all the work. I've done all that research. I was that person and I just compressed it all into like these 20 tools. And there's additional tools, of course, but these 20 are the foundation to support all this element around the EOS model. So yeah, it's a wonderful job. And of course, it gives credit to all those people for all that work. And there are some proprietary things, of course, that EOS has developed since. But yeah, you're right. Spot on with that comment. Well, very good. I always enjoy talking with you, Derek. We should not lose this relationship after we graduate. That's right. But anyone interested on getting in touch with EOS, EOS Worldwide, I'll put some links in the show notes. I'll put a link to Derek's mirror site so you can see what's going on there if you want to get in touch with him. But I would encourage you, if this has got you thinking a little bit, take a little deeper dive, take another look. Trust me, it's worthwhile. <laughs> awesome, Bill. Yeah, as always, I uh, love it. Love talking about this stuff. So thank you for having me on again and I look forward to, to hearing more. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Bill. Yes, Bill, next week. All right, take care. Appreciate you listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Some other great trade-related resources and influencers out there, including the HVAC Grapevine, Misfits of HVAC, HVA Chicks, Measure Quick, AC Service Tech, Home Diagnosis.tv, HVACR Videos, HVAC Overtime, Quality HVAC, Service Business Mastery. Look for an upcoming podcast where we talk with the man behind Service Business Mastery, Terse Blissett. Tool Pros, HVAC Reefer Guy, Stephen Reardon, HVAC Shop Talk, and HVACR School. I also host the Res Talk podcast. That's R E S T A L K. You can look in any typical podcast app and find that. In that podcast, we talk about the world of home energy ratings and peripheral topics. If you've liked what you heard today and not subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so by finding Building HVAC Science in your podcast app and hitting follow. Some of the topics we discuss require technical training, except this one didn't. It was about business. <laughs> Some things do require business training. You can go at, but I think, again, the COS system, you should really take a close look at it. It comes off my tongue so much now. People are probably getting sick of hearing it. So that's the last time I'll use the abbreviation EOS in this podcast. And considering we're almost done, that's a good thing. If you're in the market for any tools or test instruments, mention the podcast. Look at truetechtools.com, T-R-U-T-E-C-H-T-O-O-L-S.com. You can use the offer code HVACBS for a nice discount. If you want to reach out, contact me through marketing at truetechtools.com. The Building HVAC Science Podcast is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. In full disclosure, I'm a co-owner of True Tech, and the opinions voiced are those of my guests or myself. 
depending on who's speaking, of course. Well, thank you for listening in again to this podcast and following me on my business journey in addition to my technical journey. Uh, I think it's all rolled into one package now anyway, in my mind. Okay, thanks for listening again, and we welcome you back next time to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Take care. Thank you.